Welcome to the Rebel Heart Coaching Podcast, where BSN registered nurse, integrative health practitioner, and board certified life coach Samantha Shatek teaches you how to go beyond managing your circumstances and start intentionally creating a life you love using her proven strategies. Hello, my beautiful friend. How are you? So at the time of this recording today, I am getting ready to fly to Mexico in a few days, and I'm going on a week-long retreat with a group of some really badass women and friends who are part of the 13 Moons community. And I am so excited, y'all. It's going to be super fun combination of some restorative activities. I know we're going to do yoga and some dance and some ceremony and of course some chill beach time. But I know there's going to be also some hiking and we're going to go to some cenotes and runes, probably some shopping and I'm sure some fun nightlife activity as well. And I'm just so grateful. I feel like I need the sun so bad. I can really just feel it now. I can't wait to put my feet in the sand and feel the hot sun on my skin. I'm telling you, this winter in Minnesota, and to be honest, it sounds like much of Central and Northern North America for that matter, it's been an especially gray, cold, snowy, and just a super long winter. It's just dragging on. It's mid-March. And the temps here, I'm not kidding, are back to below zero today. And I am not feeling that. No, thanks. (laughs) Anyway, I appreciate the weather in all the seasons. I really do. But the length of this season seems to be just dragging on. So anyway, super excited to be doing that. And I'm really going to enjoy some time away and time with friends and fun and relaxation. So this theme that we're talking about today is one of chronic self-abandonment. And the reason I'm choosing this topic is because it's been coming up lately with a few of my clients. And it's also serving as a really good reminder for myself as well. So I really wanted to just share it with you. And today's episode is about chronic self-abandonment as a way of being in the world. And I do want to say this is a complex topic, but I am going to do my very best today to describe why this happens, how it can show up and present itself in your life, and what we can all do. So this topic is closely related to other topics you may have heard of, topics that I may have already sort of covered before or that I may cover in the future, but these topics include people-pleasing and approval-seeking as well as something called fawning, which fawning is a nervous system response to stress and intensity or trauma. And also related to this is our early childhood programming and how that plays into this abandonment of self, as well as disassociation, which is where we leave our bodies, we leave our physical bodies, and we kind of check out and This might look like spaciness or forgetfulness, and usually this is a response to not feeling safe in our bodies or in our situations or environments, 
And it also can be that we don't feel safe with our feelings, our sensations, as well as just a general feeling of not feeling safe, as well as the disassociation being a survival and coping mechanism. So the first thing is this question of why do we abandon ourselves anyway? Like, why would we do that? Well, of course, we wouldn't do it intentionally. It's a very unintentional thing that's been programmed in, and it's usually on autopilot. And so sometimes until later in life, we don't even know that we're doing it in both little ways and in bigger ways. Basically, what contributes to this is low self-esteem and our programming based on experiences with your first caregiver that make you constantly need and want to seek approval as an adult. So if you have a super hard time sometimes deciding on your own, or if you feel either unhappy or unsafe when others disagree with you, you might be abandoning yourself and you might be more of an approval seeker. Now, just to be clear, seeking approval once in a while or asking for constructive criticism or wanting to fit in, this is all normal parts of human relationships and human life. But when we seek others' approval every step of the way at all times and in most situations, it may signal a bigger issue and a bigger challenge. We are all programmed from an early age. Some of our prime programming happens from ages zero to seven because we're in this theta brainwave state and theta is also known as hypnosis. So we're super highly programmable. And often many of us unfortunately are programmed in a way that sends a message that in order to stay safe, to cope and survive, we need to abandon ourselves in little and big ways. And you know, sometimes we are, and it's not advertently, sometimes it's inadvertently, but we are taught through just different messaging that we're to ignore our own needs or desires and we're supposed to prioritize others' requests, demands, or needs. Now, the problem with this is that we learn to do this to the detriment of ourself. You know, it's one thing to work together for a mutual solution or if you're feeling authentically generous or if you want to give or if you want to be supportive from that authentic, true place. But when we habitually do only what everyone else wants of us without even considering our own needs or desires, it really takes a toll on us in a lot of ways. And sometimes the issue is we're so used to abandoning ourselves and not checking in that we don't even know how we actually feel. We don't even know what we actually want or need. We don't even know what brings us joy because we're so out of touch with that muscle with that relationship, with that connection, that if we do try to check in, sometimes there's nothing there. We can't find it. And so a lot of times we end up feeling if this is our pattern and it's chronic, you might feel empty or just disempowered because deep down, you know that you're ignoring yourself and you might feel a lack of inspiration, creativity, or energy, or just feel a general feeling of frustration, exhaustion, and you might even eventually start to feel taken advantage of, whether that is true or not. Sometimes in our life, in our early childhood, and this can happen in adulthood too, but specifically in childhood, maybe we had to prioritize a sibling 
or a parent's needs over our own in order to feel safe. One other thing is we may have felt that we didn't have a voice in our family, or perhaps we had a voice, but our emotions weren't acknowledged or met in the way that we needed them to be met. So we felt unseen. We may have learned that if we do speak up, that it creates conflict or pain in other and other people or that we feel will be judged as the kid or the person that's too much or too needy, or that we will just be labeled as a problem. So then a lot of times people deduct and learn that they need to stay quiet and just do what everyone else expects to keep the peace. You know, when I was growing up, I don't remember, and maybe this isn't true because my memory isn't always the best, but No one that I recall specifically was encouraging us in society, you know, at school or at church to necessarily listen to my own needs or to listen to myself or do what I feel. I feel like the overarching messaging from society at that time and maybe even still today, although I think that's maybe changing is that we're supposed to do what we're supposed to do, listen to what everyone else tells you and needs, fall in line, don't ruffle any feathers and just suck it up. And, you know, I am not saying that there shouldn't be rules and structure, but what I'm saying is within that structure, we can be taught and modeled to us to check in with ourselves rather than abandon ourselves and be left feeling like a shell of a human. Another place this pattern can stem from is if we have lack of safety as a child or even as an adult. So when there is danger or threats, whether they are real or perceived, our brains will do everything they can to try to protect us from the pain. For example, if someone gets into a car accident, if the person is still alive, they don't have a lot of memory of the accident because what happens is they disassociate. They leave their body uh, outside of their body for a little bit so they don't have to deal with all of the trauma and pain. It's a protective mechanism. This is sort of known as the freeze state in our nervous system. And this happens with animals in the wild as well. If they know that they're about to be prey and they can't get away and they can't fight, they'll go into freeze mode or play dead And they're very much still alive, but it's a protective mechanism that creates a numbness in the body and in the nervous system so that if they do become prey, they don't feel it as much. They don't feel the pain. So it's actually a really adaptive and beautiful mechanism that we have developed. But when we're in trauma situations in childhood and develop that pattern and we don't address that pattern, then it becomes problematic. So people will disassociate and leave their body and they learn that like this body or this environment or this world is not a safe place to live or that your feelings aren't okay or that your bodily sensations are not safe to feel. So these are some of the programs that start from an early age that get us to be more disconnected from our own bodies, our own self our own knowing. And so some common messages include push down your feelings, push down your needs, stay small, stay quiet, don't make waves, fit in, be liked, don't stand out, don't be a problem, you're too loud, you're too much, and I'm a good girl or boy if I stay quiet because then no one yells at me and I'm not a problem. 
So those are just a few that came to my mind. But there are quite a few more patterns, obviously, in life. But these are just a few of them. And also, I want to address that this is absolutely not equal across genders. This dynamic definitely affects women and girls more than boys. But also, this is a human issue and it does affect both genders. It affects males as well, but it does disproportionately affect girls. I'm going to give you a story. So I heard this story recently and I honestly don't remember where I heard it. But the scenario is there's a group of boys and I don't know the age, but I think they were younger boys and they're watching TV in a living room and they're at one of the boys' homes and a mom comes into the living room and asks the group of boys if they're hungry. The boys all individually answer at different times, but they continue watching the TV without looking at each other or without looking at the mom. They keep watching the TV and answer. So they're basically responding to this mom with either a yes, I'm hungry or no, I'm not. But they're doing so from a place of checking in with themselves and themselves only, and then saying what's true for them. In the same story, a group of girls in a different room watching TV are asked by the mom if they're hungry. And unlike the boys, they all hesitate to answer. Instead, they first look around at all the other girls to see if anyone else is hungry and to seek group approval through eye contact. So what they're doing is they're ignoring themselves and their hunger cues. And whether they're hungry or not, they are first scanning the room to decide together in a nonverbal way what the consensus is. It mattered less to the girls if they were actually hungry or not. And even if they were, it mattered more if the group was in agreement and in approval. And then one of the spokespersons for the girls, after a long hesitation and nonverbal eye contact consensus, said, we're good. We're not hungry. And that has so many implications for so many issues in our society and gender roles. And I'm not going to get into all of that, but I think you can feel that in those two examples that the boys from a young age have already learned to check in with themselves, be clear about what they want and not feel bad about it. And the girls were already ignoring and pushing down whether they were hungry or not and looking for approval and group consensus in a disempowering way. I'm going to go through some common approval seeking behaviors and just see if you identify with this or you can think of anyone that this might apply to. And again, we're all human. And so if one of these apply to you, it doesn't mean that you're always seeking approval. And it doesn't mean that we shouldn't ask for constructive criticism or improve ourselves and be humble if these are more chronic or if you find yourself in one of these consistently, then this might be you. So some of the behaviors include, so if you find it hard to make decisions, either big or small, without getting others to weigh in on it. And that was the example that I gave for the girls watching TV. Also, another sign is feeling sad, happy, guilty, or anxious, depending on if others approve of you or not. So letting your internal landscape and feelings 
rely completely on external approval. And then the next one that I wrote down is when you're seeking excessive permission or reassurance that you've done or are doing the right thing. So not just once in a while, but constantly. Another sign is feeling unconfident about decisions you've made or are making and consistently second guessing them or playing out long conversations in your head and, you know, even maybe losing sleep about decisions or conversations. And I'm not just talking about one night of sleep lost. I'm talking about multiple decisions and feeling unconfident for days or just, you know, perseverating on something you said or did. And then another one is rejecting opportunities and experiences you want because you're scared others won't approve. So basing your decisions about your life on either perceived or real judgment, but not following through. And another one is doing things that others want you to do that may not be in service to you, or it may not be what you really want, but you do them anyway. And then another one is feeling ashamed if someone questions or dislikes your work, actions, or decisions. And I'm going to list now a few ways that I wrote down that I could think of and things that are coming up with my clients or myself or with other people that I know and ways that we commonly abandon ourselves. And these can be big ways, little ways. And this is not an all-inclusive list, but these are some things that came to me. So saying yes to someone or something when you really don't want to, which I already mentioned, always doing or going along with either where your partner or your friend or whoever you're with consistently wants you to go, even though you'd prefer to maybe go somewhere else at times or do something else, but you're always doing something that the other person wants and you don't really say anything or advocate for yourself. Another common way is just not speaking up because you feel bad or you feel like you'll hurt someone's feelings or create too much conflict if you do. And then another one that I've heard that I think is pretty common is we have so much compassion in our hearts, especially empaths and people that are really compassionate. And so we'll use someone's tough life situation or childhood trauma that they've had in life as an excuse to justify their behavior now, or they'll allow someone to continue treating them not great or even poorly because they justify their positive qualities or they justify the tough situation or the cards that this person was dealt. Now, it doesn't mean that the person is bad, but it means that the behavior is not acceptable in a normal healthy response would be to have a boundary or a request around that behavior. And if that isn't met, then to possibly not continue that relationship if someone's treating you poorly. Another one is not being in touch with your needs or desires and almost feeling like an outsider to your own life. Almost like you've given over so much of your power to other people that you really don't have a lot left for yourself. And sometimes it's really hard for you to even be in touch with what you want. And because you're so used to just going along that you don't even know, you don't even, you can't even find that. Another sign is doubting yourself to the point of not doing what you feel compelled to do, say, or be. So a little doubt is normal. 
uh, when we're doing something new, especially that imposter syndrome will always creep in. But when you doubt yourself to the point of letting it stop you from living the life you want to live, that could be a serious issue. And then not checking in with your hunger cues and satiety levels. So one way that we abandon ourselves in little ways is For example, we're at a party and maybe we're a little anxious because we don't know anybody or maybe we know everybody and, you know, or you're at a high school reunion and you're abandoning yourself by just continuing to eat hors d'oeuvres on the hors d'oeuvre table and not check in if you're actually hungry or just in everyday life. Maybe you're just so used to eating like a certain amount of food on your plate. You don't even check in to see if you're full. You just keep eating because it tastes good or because you're used to that amount and just little things like that. Like that's an example of how we can abandon ourselves every day in small ways. Another one is that boundaries are non-existent or poor and inconsistent. So just not having boundaries where they should be or in ways that would keep you safe. So kind of letting people walk all over you or take advantage of you. And also a lot of times people will find that in this situation, if they're used to self-abandonment, they'll find themselves in situations that leave them feeling drained, unhappy, frustrated, and out of alignment with their values. And then another one that I've touched on before, and I think it's just, it's so relevant. It reaches across so many topics and so many issues that are kind of at the core of our troubles. Using distractions of all kinds is a form of self-abandonment. So substances, of all kinds, food, drugs, caffeine, alcohol, overworking, Netflix, social media, online shopping, gambling. And we do all of this instead of feeling our feelings or doing the thing that we know that would be best for us in the long term. And this is a way that we abandon ourselves. Like instead of going to work out, you smoke weed and watch Netflix or instead of going to work on the project you said you would work on, you're going to eat a pint of ice cream or whatever it is. It's it's using distractions, including overwork a lot of times. And, and I talked about this in the last episode, actually, but overworking is kind of a quote unquote more acceptable distraction. And it's harder to see because after all, isn't hard work noble, isn't hard work and a lot of work getting us to where we need to be. Yes, it is. But if we're using it consistently as a way to avoid ourselves, avoid our feelings and abandon ourselves, then it's not really useful. And that's one of those things that only you really know if you're using work to do that or if maybe you're just in a phase of your life where you have a lot of work and that's different. So the question becomes, how do we start to change this need for relentless external approval and just really stop abandoning ourselves? Well, the answer is tenfold. It's a process. It's not easy. And there's so many things that we can do. And just like food choices or just like medicine, I don't think one thing works for everybody. There's not like this all in one quick tip solution that I can give you. But I will say that Everything that we do to get to the core of this can add to the solution. And so I just have a few things here. And they, even though they're basic, they're still profound that we can start to stop abandoning ourselves. So the first thing 
that I have. And it sounds cliche, but it's true. And it's really actually powerful. And I think this is the first key is awareness. We need to cultivate awareness. And so we need to learn to notice what activates our need for approval and in ways that we abandon ourselves. So that starts with just having curiosity. So asking some questions like, what is it that you crave? or seek others approval most about? And when is that? What situations do you tend to abandon yourself in? Do you tend to seek approval or abandon yourself when you're making major life decisions, having really difficult emotions? Or is it related more to like your appearance and your clothing? A lot of people have issues around loving of themselves and their body and their appearance or their clothing. So maybe that's where you're seeking approval or disempowering yourself. Or is it maybe when you're at work in your career or at school, just notice the root cause of your approval seeking and it might help you try to figure out what underlies this need. And there's so many tools that you can use and that I teach that you can find out there. I mean, breath work is amazing for cultivating mindfulness and awareness and healing in the body. Mindfulness itself is a practice. Meditation is really good because in meditation, you're building that observer muscle. You're building that objective observer yoga as well. And also using the thought model that I talked about in my five-part series a while back in my podcast, all of this might help cultivate awareness to try to train you to become a better observer of your thoughts and your mind and your life. And something else that I talk about with my clients and that I do myself, and it's a way to really cultivate awareness and create accountability. And that's by planning ahead, but planning ahead with your values in mind and using the science of how our brain works in order to really utilize the full extent of our frontal lobe. And our frontal lobe is so great for planning and keeping our best future goals in mind. And so when we plan things ahead of time, we're using our conscious resources rather than our primal emotional brain that has no patience and that wants immediate gratification and isn't going to make the best choices in the moment for you. So we can use a lot of these different tools to start to check in with ourselves. Journaling is a great way to actually discover what you need, what your desires are, and what you can do to stop abandoning yourself so much. So those are just a few things. And then the second thing is just to celebrate success. And what I mean by that is Just start celebrating your own wins and successes yourself. I want you to not feel that you need other people to celebrate you or your glories for you to do the same. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't want other people to celebrate us or have gatherings or parties, but it means that you lead the way. You celebrate your success and that allows you to congratulate yourself instead of necessarily depending on the approval of others. That's a really great way to just practice like celebrating you like you would want other people to celebrate you. And it doesn't mean that we don't 
like I said, get other people to celebrate us or encourage gatherings. It just means cultivating that for yourself. And the third thing that I want to encourage is if this is something that's a struggle for you, enjoying some solitude. So if you don't already spend some time alone, and if you do, then you can disregard this, but it would be good time to try to improve your relationship with yourself without any outside influences. So just to spend some amount of time alone so that you're just not constantly with other people because this will allow you to become more comfortable with yourself and understand what you can do and what you need and what you want and what brings you joy without seeking approval from others. And it can just allow you to minimize other distractions, especially if you're susceptible to doing what other people want you to do. It might be great to just learn to try to be on your own. You know, travel on your own is really great. It really builds character or eating at a cafe or restaurant alone and enjoying a book or working on a project, but being out in public and just going solo or taking a solo activity up or a solo hobby. If you don't do that already or like are not comfortable with that, if that would push you outside your comfort zone, maybe that's for you or just spending time alone at home. And maybe you already do that. But if that's something that you don't really get to do, I would encourage you to set some time aside to try to practice just being with yourself in your own energy field and with your own thoughts and your own decisions. Another thing is just to use positive affirmations. These statements, when you repeat them, can really help reprogram that subconscious brain into better beliefs about yourself. And there's all sorts of things that help us reprogram. There's therapists will often use brain spotting and EMDR. Those are really great modalities to help reprogram. There's a modality called Psych K that therapists will use, QNRT. And then there's just peer repetition. The more we do something, the more that we practice something, the more that we speak something out loud, the more that it, it becomes true for us. So saying something to yourself every day, some form of affirmations that speak to you. And I have a few examples here. And you can just repeat these out loud like a mantra. And I suggest writing them out in your journal five to 10 times each on a daily basis. Some affirmations you can say, and if these don't resonate with you, please make up your own. But I am worthy. I have value. I am learning to trust myself. I make space to hear my small inner voice guiding me. I am capable of making good decisions and I am loved and cared for. And these are just a few of many that you could use to help try to reprogram yourself. And then lastly, and this list, like I said, is not all inclusive, but I think it's important that you seek therapy and coaching and both can work really beautifully together. Maybe you're in the season of your life where you only need therapy or can only do therapy. Maybe you're only wanting to do coaching, but I know a lot of people do both. And I think they both work in tandem really beautifully together. And I know, you know, anyone can benefit from seeing a good therapist and a good coach, regardless if you're experiencing a crisis. But coaching is such a beautiful modality. Therapy with a good therapist that you resonate with is so beautiful. 
And I just encourage that you seek support and guidance because this sometimes is bigger than you and you do need reflection and guidance through it. You know, this topic also kind of ties into the podcast that I did earlier called Minnesota Nice. And this is the topic that I think that a barrier for a lot of people when they're thinking about tuning in to their needs and to their desires and to their joy, is they're afraid that if they speak their truth, that people are going to perceive them as mean and unkind or brash. And that's quite the opposite. We can deliver clear communication with such compassion and such kindness. And it's much more fulfilling for everybody in the end when you know and you're clear with what you need and want, and you can communicate that in a way that is just totally owning it, but beautiful. And will you have people sometimes not in a grill with you? Absolutely. Is someone going to maybe be upset with this new version of you and not understand it? Most likely. But there is such a way forward. There is unlimited possibilities in how you can move forward. If this pertains to you and this is your fear, we can get really clear and honest and ask for what we need and make requests of people in a kind and compassionate and caring way. It doesn't have to be one or the other. The only reason that you probably feel that way is because it was programmed into you as being the unkind thing to do. But as you're wading through the newness of this pattern, the more comfortable you get, the more you will see that the people in your life that show up will reflect back to you how you are treating yourself. They will start to treat you too. And it's just such a beautiful thing. Thanks so much for joining me today. I hope you're doing amazing. And I hope that you are not abandoning yourself. And if you are, that you can find ways to come back to yourself slowly but surely. And if you do need help with this, please seek a coach and or a therapist to help guide your way back into safety, into your body and into your life. And hey, I also want to invite you to join me for my six month coaching program. I'll work with just you one on one and I'm going to help you get the results that I know you can get. I promise your life will be different. Go to www.rebelheartcoaching.com to sign up for a consult today. I'll see you inside. Hey, no, no, no.